Today on Ag News Daily. But I've lived all over the U.S. and done a bunch of different careers. My lease was coming up while I was living in Los Angeles, and nobody was here to help my dad. How about a dad? He's like, yeah, okay. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of the Ag News Daily Podcast. I'm Dawson Schmidt. Joined with me, Delaney Howell. Delaney, how are you doing today? I'm good, Dawson. Today is your first day kicking things off here for the podcast, so good job so far. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we're still in the rough patches on kind of getting things going, so hopefully everything starts to level off here as time goes on. Well, I'm sure that our listeners appreciate your ability to try because I think getting behind a microphone is a lot scarier than a lot of people think. I worked in radio in college and I remember the first time that I reported on air, I made a lot of mistakes. I pronounced a lot of names incorrectly, but you got to just keep going. There's no such thing as dead air time in radio. That is true. Well, kind of getting right into it, I do have an update on the JBS cyber attack. Uh, So yesterday we kind of just said that uh, Cyber attack took place over the weekend, hacking into JBS's operating systems and really shutting down a lot of uh, beef operations going on in multiple countries. Uh, Right now, it says that we're having a few operations that are opening back up. The company released a statement saying that a lot of the companies with beef, pork, poultry and just prepared food plants will be operational for the most part on Wednesday, uh, according to that statement. And just kind of going further into that, it sounds like the White House is really kind of going to be diving into more investigations into the Russian government. Uh, It sounds like the government released a statement that they were not involved in it. However, you know, the, the U.S. is still wanting more cooperation with Russia to find out more about the attack and kind of get behind, you know, why it seems like more companies are hacking into, you know, national uh, companies in the U.S. Yeah, it was a ransomware attack, I believe, in total. I don't know. I think yesterday that came out right after we cut the podcast, so that is kind of a little update there. But yeah, there's a lot going on down there in Brazil. Not only is JBS dealing with some issues, I've actually got quite a bit of Brazilian news today. Um, Where to kick it off here? Let's start here with this piece of news, because Brazil and their government. I think we've talked about it a little bit. It's been quite a while now, but their president, Bolsonaro, is considered pretty much to be very comparable in politics and ideology to uh, the former President Trump. And so that's created a lot of interesting dynamics down there in Brazil. So for instance, he and his administration have been very proactive in allowing farmers to expand their operations. A lot of Amazon rainforest has been converted or is in the process of being converted from for rainforest into farmland. That's just one of many issues that has people not necessarily on his side. And we've seen now some political riots and unrest going on down there in Brazil. A lot of folks on the other side of the aisle had been practicing social distancing. Uh, They had a lot of measures in place due to COVID. And they've finally come forward now and had mass protests, which is really saying something because the other side of the party there, other side of the aisle down there in Brazil was really practicing social distancing. They really believed that President Bolsonaro should shut down the country. And again, he took a very similar rhetoric to President Trump. Well, now we're in a process of seeing a lot of these protests and riots come forward. And a lot of folks are very unhappy and blaming President Bolsonaro for a lot of the COVID-19 deaths down there in the country. 
And so we're seeing that happen on the one hand, and we're also seeing um, Brazil turning to a lot of other countries to try and get vaccines. The biggest country they've been turning their attention to has appeared to be China, which, again, looks like they're kind of getting in bed with China, so to speak. So Russia and China have both relied very heavily on this term called vaccine diplomacy, basically to increase their footprint in Latin America and more specifically in Brazil. So we're seeing a lot of interesting geopolitical dynamics add up right now. And Brazil, just like Argentina, is another country that deals with a lot of political instability. And we're seeing a lot of that play out right now. So we don't have an election until next year, 2022. But at this point in time, it's anticipated that President Bolsonaro will not retain um, his presidency come next election. And I just think it's going to be interesting to see here. What do these protests do? Do they impact anything else? You know, if you look in Argentina, we had a lot of port worker strikes due to COVID-19 and the lack of vaccines. We could potentially see something similar play out here in Brazil. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. I don't have anything pulled up, but I did read that the I believe the WHO was calling on uh, countries that have an, a surplus of vaccine or just have extra money to spare to, I think, give a pretty much give WHO about $50 billion to go towards vaccinating people in less fortunate companies. So I wonder if that has something to do with that as well. Yeah, I'm not sure, but there's just a lot of behind the scenes actions I'm sure we'll never really know the true meaning of. Um, But while we're on the topic of South America, I had just one other quick piece of news here. The strike going on in the cattle industry is anticipated to last at least through today as we're continuing to see the quote-unquote cattle lockdown, which is, of course, the riot going on right now against the government because they decided to suspend meat exports. So we don't have any updates as of yet to see whether or not that will continue through today into maybe longer term, but uh, that is still going on as well down there in South America. I actually do have another piece of news that is relating to Brazil. So a lot like we saw back in February with uh, soybean farmers defaulting on their contracts uh, when they were trying to get a higher price uh, because they realized that, you know, prices were still going up at the time. The rally wasn't over. But now it seems like there are possible corn and coffee farmers that might be defaulting on their contracts with firms, not because they're looking for higher prices, just but mainly because they might just not have the crop. Um, there's not really whole much, a whole bunch on the news right now, but it just seems like a lot of farmers are not setting up their deliveries with firms yet. And so firms are kind of getting worried that they're uh, possibly just not going to come through with those contracts. And so, like, I think what happened with the soybean one was a lot of farmers defaulted and litigations were going through about 40 maybe towards 40 farmers or so. So it wasn't a huge impact, but it's just bringing to concern to certain firms that we might see something happen like that again. Yeah, you're right. I, I do remember talking about that. It's not all that long ago, maybe a month or two, where we saw farmers potentially the concern that they would default on grain contracts. And we're now maybe anticipating to see that here in the corn and coffee markets as well. And I know that a lot of farmers, I think too, part of the issue is that a lot of farmers have contracted ahead and they may not potentially 
physically have that grain because we're continuing to see the squeeze down there in South America as far as weather goes for the Safrina corn crop. I was chatting with Eric Snodgrass just yesterday. He's chief meteorologist for Nutrient Ag Solutions. And it does sound like there is still a lot of concern down there in Brazil right now. And this is the end stretch, if you will. I mean, he said to compare this time of year down in Brazil to the September, October timeframe. So this is about the time of year when they should be heading into harvest. And we'll start to see what those yields and production numbers actually equal out to. But I can't anticipate they're going to be very favorable numbers for Brazil. But while we're on the topic of weather, we saw yesterday some crop progress numbers. Our first crop progress report came out yesterday, pointing to some pretty favorable conditions for the corn crop this year. About 14% of U.S. corn fields were judged in excellent condition, 62% in the good condition, and 20% in fair condition, just 3% in the poor condition and 1% in the very poor condition. So we did see that put some pressure on the markets today. Obviously, we're still pretty early on in the growing season here, and we anticipate we should see those numbers change around a little bit if we do start to see a little bit more of a weather uh, issue build up here. But not only that, we're, we are starting to see a lot of pressure going on in kind of our Uh, northern portion of the country as well as the southeast. I was reading something today talking about hot and dry conditions have been slowing the season for peanut farmers, which we don't talk about a whole lot here on the podcast, but cotton producers, peanut farmers, some of those uh, more cotton, not so much a specialty crop, but some of those more specialty crops are definitely feeling the pinch this year as well. And Dawson, I know you mentioned yesterday on the podcast how there were producers out in California who are unfortunately making that tough decision that it's going to save them more money, I guess, not to plant as opposed to trying to plant a crop in some of these really dry areas. So I'd say these crop progress reports here over this growing season are going to be pretty essential to see what's going on nationwide. Well, I just have one more bit of news. This is something I actually saw yesterday. I forgot to mention this too, but uh, apparently over in China, a 41-year-old man tested positive for a rare strain of the bird flu known as H10N3. I know there's another big strain that went on a few years ago that killed about 300 people in the country. Um, And this is the first case that was reported of this rare strain to have actually infected a human. Uh, it, It was seen in domestic as well as wild birds, but this is the first uh, reported sickness uh, in a person. And so far what they know about it, it's not something that is serious, but it's something that they're definitely gonna keep their eyes on. Hopefully we don't have another, you know, big spread going on that is kind of posing a risk to a lot of people on those. Well, I'm glad you brought that up to our uh, listeners' attention today, Dawson, because that was not something that was on my radar today. But one thing that was on my radar were how markets perform today. What do you say we take a look at commodities? Let's get right into it. Well, we saw livestock have a little bit of a turnaround today with uh, some pressure on the corn markets there after yesterday's crop conditions report pushed corn lower, but soybeans 
are still hanging on here to put some green on the screen today. July corn closed down 13 and three quarters cents to close at 6.75. The Dece new crop down four and a quarter to close at 5.72 and three quarters. Soybeans today higher with the July contract adding 14 cents to close at 15.62 and a half. The November up 16 and three quarters cents to close at 14.13 and three quarters. Chicago wheat lower today with the July contract shedding six cents to close at 6.87 and a half. The September down four and three quarters to close at 6.92 and a half. And hopping over into livestock, we finished with green today in the cattle complex, but weakness, however, in the lean hog markets. The August live cattle contract up two dollars sixty-five cents to close at one one nineteen twenty-five. The October up a dollar ninety-seven and a half to close at one twenty-four ninety. Hopping over to look at the feeder cattle markets today, the August contract not quite limit up today to close at one fifty-two thirty-two and a half. The September up two dollars eighty-two and a half cents to close at one fifty-four eighty. And in lean hogs, as I mentioned, weakness today with the July contract down a dollar seventeen to close at one eighteen forty-seven and a half. The August down seventy-seven and a half. To close at 116.80. And hopping over to take a look at the live, the, yeah, not livestock, dairy, class three dairy milk futures. The June contract today down four cents to close at 17.32. The July down a penny to close at 17.86. So without further ado, we're doing another tag team today, kicking things over here to a conversation Ashton had with Jenny Sauer Smigdal. Well, today we are talking to Jenny Sauer Schmidgel. It's quite a mouthful there, Jenny, but (laughs) some folks might know you as the Woody Farmer from social media, but I just want to thank you for coming on and chatting with us today. Well, thank you for asking me and inviting me on here. I really do appreciate that. So Jenny, we wanted to have you on just to kind of talk about planting and what's been going on with you. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit more about your background and what it is you're doing out there in Illinois. Ooh, well, the background, I'm going to give you the short version. Um, I have been back home for full time about, I'd say three years. So I have always farmed, but I've lived all over the U.S. and done a bunch of different careers. And um, I just decided to put roots down. Yeah, like that play on words. So, um, but I've always helped with planting and harvest season. I was never gone from home more than uh, three to four months. So farming has been the most consistent thing. And my lease was coming up while I was living in Los Angeles. And nobody was here to help my dad with the farm. So I just decided, you know what? I'm always farming. I'm always happy when I'm home. So hey, I'm just going to do this. How, how about a dad? He's like, yeah, okay. So that's kind of how, that is a very quick abridged version of how I came to be farming full-time. And uh, um, it's it was the best decision I ever made. And then I accidentally, oh, there's Kitty, if you heard that meow. Um, then got married and oopsie, and had a kid. So a lot of life has happened in a very short span of time. <laughs> well, Jenny, that is quite the story, but glad to to know that you're back on the farm. And I always like to hear about people coming back and what that experience is like for them. But I want to talk further about what your experience has been like this planting season, because from what I can tell on Twitter, it's been maybe a little bit of a tough one for you guys. 
Okay, so this planning season has been um, very drawn out and therefore has been more, I guess, exhausting in a way. Um, it's work is very tiring. However, um, the past couple of years, we have actually been planning into June. And that's just be, been because of heavy rain. However, those rains the last couple of years were kind of all clutter. And so you would definitely have like maybe two or three weeks that you just could not go. It's uh, while well, we had frost towards the end of April. And um, yeah, it was below freezing for a couple of days. And so how we do it, we wait with, we do corn and soybeans. Um, we like to wait until the soil temperature is closer to 50 degrees. It was not close to that by the time that uh, below freezing temps happened. So um, it was kind of just a waiting game. And what has been happening is it will rain just enough to where it makes it sticky and kind of a mess. <laughs> and then you have to wait a couple days. So it rains a couple days, you're off a couple days. It rains a couple days, you're off three days. And then it rains, you know, one day and then you're off for two days. It has just been irregular where you can't really get into the habit of, all right, let's go, get up and go. You get up super early, you work, you know, 14, hour, 14 16 hour days and then you're done. This year has just been like, it's just been kind of a crapshoot. And so you can't get in that routine and it just makes it a little more tiring and taxing on you because you can't just get up and go. You got to just wait, wait, wait. So that's, that has been our experience thus far. Good news. We finished yesterday. So um, I had a nice large glass of wine and went to sleep and slept all night. It was fantastic. But uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a lot of back and forth and waiting. That certainly doesn't sound fun. <laughs> I don't blame you at all for <laughs> drinking a big old glass of wine kind of in celebration for that. But what might you expect just because of how this planting season has gone? I know harvest isn't for a little while, but what are some things that you're going to really be keeping your eye out on from now until then? Well, uh, since I also have Black Angus cattle, um, we don't really get too terribly fixated on the crops as much because cows take a lot of work and we have hay. So next up, we're going to have to cut hay. But um, I, I, you know, it's like it is every year. You just hope the rains come at the right time. <laughs> and we thankfully planned well enough with how we were when we planted and that we so far don't have any replanting now there are some people around here that were out replanting while we were planting because they i think they went in middle of march or so i don't know but um always just check for the disease um anything that really loves moist environments um, that's pretty much what I think we're going to be looking after a little bit more this year than we normally do because, um, things have dried out enough so we could plant, but it's still, 
there's still quite a bit of moisture. And now I'm not complaining about the rain. So I just want to make that very clear. <laughs> I might have been complaining about being tired because of how the schedule was working. We couldn't get in our groove. But I am very thankful that we at least have rain because I have seen from others on Twitter, there are droughts. So right now, our concern is, you know, the kind of little microbes and that kind of stuff, worms and whatnot that really enjoy a more moist environment. That's probably what we'll be more focused on when looking at the crops. So Jenny, what's your hay looking like? Because I've seen a little bit of mixed review on what that's going to be looking like here come fall for some cattle producers out there. I think they might be just a bit worried. So personally, what's that looking like for you? Right now, we are actually sitting very nicely. And I hate saying that because there, you don't want to make anybody feel really bad because you can't control the weather. Um, but right now, our grass and red clover, it is exceptionally tall. And especially Missouri. My husband's from Rolla, Missouri. And um, they've had even more rain than we have. And without fertilizer, you know, it's it's exceptionally tall. So um, we're going to have to actually cut hay very quickly. And normally we can wait until kind of the end-ish of June, middle to end. But I think we're going to have to get in there probably about next week. Um, so we have, we have been very blessed and fortunate with enough rain where um, we might get three cuttings in this year. I don't know. We did last year because of the massive amount of rain and the, a lot of water was left in the water table. So um, that's kind of what it's looking like. I don't want to jinx <laughs> everything, but we are okay so far. Well, Jenny, that is good to hear, at least, you know, for you, maybe for folks that aren't getting as much rain or having that cooperative weather, they might be a little bit jealous, but hey, that's okay. <laughs> Jenny, like I mentioned earlier in the show, you are known as the Woody Farmer on Twitter. So let's hit that before, you know, I let you get back to the farm here. What has that been like for you kind of growing that following and being able to share your story on a social media platform? Well, um, it's actually been very surprising, um, and it is also incredibly flattering. Um, I have had others tell me on other social media platforms as well that they are surprised that they're like, well, you should be having more followers. And I'm like, I don't care. And um, they acknowledge that I don't do it for attention and followers. Like, I what's happened is pretty spectacular. And, um, I just, I tweet post, whatever the term you want to use, whatever I'm doing during the day. And I'm not a slave to social media. Um, it is not my job and it's just something that I happen to enjoy. And the best part of it is that I have met some really incredible people and one girl, Carolyn, oh my gosh, I love her to death. But uh, we now talk on the phone and it's just because of Twitter. And she's in, uh, she's in Iowa. And the relationships that you can actually make without actually meeting someone in person, I think is really the best part. 
and um, just for the simple fact that people actually enjoy what I'm posting, it is funny to me, but it is very flattering at the same time. And it's very nice. And I am naturally, I have always been very sarcastic and had very dry humor. I am 25% Irish. And it just kind of worked out that way. And social media, how I even started on it, because I, so I'm in the SAG after union. So I did acting and all that stuff, which I actually still do. Um, when I was living out in Los Angeles and in order to, for your agent to sell you for a part to book, they started, um, wanting you to be on social media and they looked at how many followers you had. So that's the only reason that I even started Twitter initially. So I still have my old Twitter account, but I just retweet from the Woody Farmer account. And um, that that's how that all started. But being able to continue and uh, that's, I mean, it's pretty amazing, actually, but uh, it's a lot of fun. I have a good time, but it is purely for entertainment. And um, I don't want to ever have that become something where, oh, I need to get on there. I need to check it. I need to, I need to post something. I need to do this. I never, I hope to never, ever get that way. So right now and how it's been the last, I think it's just been three years, I believe. It's fun. And I want to keep it that way. And I stay away from politics and religion and that kind of stuff. I have my own views, but that's for people that know me and I'm close to. I don't want to start arguments with people that I don't know. Um, so yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And to have a clothing line now just because of that is that, that's incredible. And it's also exhausting. So now that planning is done, now I can actually focus on it a little bit more. <laughs> Yeah, Jenny, it sounds like you definitely have a lot on your plate, but for some of our listeners who just might want to add to what's on your plate and purchase some of the items that you have in your store, where can they find that online? Well, I, I appreciate you bringing it up and asking and it's thewoodyfarmer.com. So it's pretty simple, very basic. The stuff, it's all started. I trademarked uh, GMO Survivor, that saying, and um, it's just kind of expanded. And um, it's very simplistic. That's how I like to keep it. I don't like a lot of frilly, flowy, that kind of stuff. And it's actually for men and women. Um, it's not just women's stuff. And um, everything that I sell, I work in. So it's kind of elevated workwear that's comfortable because I, I really do believe that those of us that do manual labor, we deserve to be comfortable. <laughs> and if you want to wear something that's kind of funny, hey, you know, it's kind of like an added bonus. So um, that's, that's kind of my outlook on the clothing. Well, awesome. It's fun, durable, comfortable hitting all those boxes there. But Jenny, thank you so much again for coming on today and congratulations on finishing planting and hopefully things go well for y'all over the next couple months. Well, thank you very much for having me. And again, like I said in the beginning, I really do appreciate you asking me to do a little interview. I, it's very, very kind of you. 
Well, again, a big thank you there to Jenny and Ashton for taking care of today's interview there. Good to th- see folks finally getting wrapped up with planting. Although I know a lot of folks are going to unfortunately be forced to face the decision of whether or not they replant some of those acres that were hit with frost over the Memorial Day weekend. So unfortunately, we're not going to see uh, final numbers for crop progress planting uh, anytime soon, I would say, Dawson. That's true. It sounds like there are a lot of people that are really figuring out what they're going to do. I'm kind of curious how that's going to affect the crop conditions moving forward because I don't know how much those have actually been accounted for within this last report. Absolutely. I think that's still the wild card here that hopefully we'll see taken into account next week. But folks, that'll do it for today's episode. And quick reminder here, we are going to be at the World Pork Expo next week. So we'll be covering some pork-related topics. In the meantime, this week, it's a normal schedule as usual. So folks, be sure to follow along with us next week when we are at World Pork Expo. You can follow along with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily. Dawson, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.